If you've got your Bibles ready, open up to Genesis 18, and we're just going to read a few of the verses. We're going to go through the first 15 verses, really, but I just want to read a few right now. And we're going to start in verse 9. So Genesis 18, verse 9. I'll give you a moment to open up there. Then they said to him, this is God and the angels, Say to, say to Abraham, where is your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Let's pray. Father, again, it's, uh, uh, Lord, help us to really appreciate this word, this book. It, there is no other book like it, none. None compares to this. It is the word of God. It is your word to us. It is for us. And so, Father, we, we open up our hearts to you like Johnny prayed, give you ourselves, we offer, we present our bodies to listen to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, the eyes of our hearts and understanding enlightened so that we can know who you are, we can know who we are, and we can know how you are. Lord, may you be satisfied this morning when we all depart this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, um, one of the things, as I understand the Word of God, is that, and, and you can't just say this is carte blanche, but the Old Testament is full of a lot of stories and pictures, right? I mean, just a lot of them, this whole story, the, the journey that, that Abraham and his family are on is a journey of faith. That's what's happening to him. We're on that same journey. He's our father. He's our spiritual father, and we're on that journey. And often what happens is the, the doctrines are not precise, you know? I can, I'm looking at Rick here. He's my good buddy. We're, we're just precise guys. We like precise doctrine. But sometimes God is not that interested in our preciseness. He wants us to get the picture, and then he adds the caption with the precise words in the New Testament. So what we're going to do is look at this story that's in Genesis 18, and we're going to go to the New Testament to see some things that reflect, provide caption for what we're we're walking through, what we're seeing, okay? And what we need to do, the first thing we need to do, every, every story has a context. Am I right? Just not all of a sudden, oh, the story begins. Whoa. You know, how would it be if you're reading a book and... The story just begins. You've got, 
You don't have a clue. Somehow, at some point in time, context must be provided for the story. So, first set of verses. This is back a few chapters. It says, Hagar. So, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Note, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. He was 86 years old. Next slide. Look at the first few words there. This is the next verse. You know, the chapter breaks. Just sometimes you can pretend they're not there. Okay? This is the next verse. When Abraham was 99 years old. So there is a 13-year hiatus in the storyline as given in the recorded Word of God. 13 years. No appearance. Now, we do know, as Christians, we're good doctrinaires again. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us, and I hope you believe that. But I tell you what, and I don't really need to tell you, sometimes he just doesn't appear. He doesn't show up. Where is God? Where is he when I need him? Okay. He's 99 years old. No, no communication. And so then he appeared in chapter 17. He came. An, an appearance was made. Okay. Now we're in chapter 18. So let's go to that first part. And one of the things I want to say here, go to the next verses. We'll be there eventually. So we're going to start for you guys. I'm not going to put the verses up on the, on the screen. But go to chapter 18, verse 1. Okay. Now, again in the storyline, and I think this is important for all of us, God's timetable is not ours. You may try to schedule an appearance with him. You may try to force the issue with him. But guess what? He may not keep your appointment. He has an appointed time. He shows up. He just shows up in here. Verse 1 of 18, then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So Abraham's just doing his thing. He's there. Now part of the, again, part of the context is this. In chapter 12, God had an appearance to Abraham. He appeared to him. And he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Quite a, a, an incredibly extensive promise. That's what he promised. God didn't give some of the details. In fact, God didn't mention a whole lot. He didn't give the storyline. You ever notice that about God sometimes? He shows up. He appears, he gives some information, he's speaking to you, some comes alive, is quickened, and then he, he goes on, and, it's, and, and when you think about it, you're just kind of there, and you're going, now wait a second, I got, I got a lot of it, it's huge, I can, I can comprehend some of it, but how does this thing work? How, how do I become a great nation? 
How do I, how do I bless? The, how, how is it that all these things happen? So later on, you know, he's trying to think of this. How am I going to do this? I have no heirs. You remember the story? I've got no heirs. Nobody. I don't have any kids. I don't have any family. Ah, I've got Eliezer. He's this servant I picked up in Damascus. Next time God appears, he says, how about God? I got a great idea. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking what you said to me in Genesis 12. And maybe what I ought to do is you can use Eliezer here. Isn't that a good idea? And God says, nope, not a good idea. He will not be the heir. Okay, so he's going to come from you, Abraham, Abram by, at that time. All right, so he talks to Sarah. Here's, I, I'm, I'm filling in some of the story, by the way. That you're not going to find this in the Scripture. So Abraham is talking with Sarah, and he said, well, this is what God said. And she goes, well, you know what? I've got an idea. You're still the father. Here's Hagar, this Egyptian woman that I picked up in Egypt. There's the tent. Why not? That's a good... He's the, you're, the child that comes from her will be from you. Now, in this time, God didn't correct. I find this very interesting. You know, he told God, God told Abram, he says, nope, Eliezer's not the guy. Second time around, he didn't say anything. As God said, see where it goes. God didn't interrupt. Do you, know, ever, you ever notice that? Sometimes, often, we are into this, and we're, we're trying to do a good job. I don't think anybody here is definitely trying to, you know, do bad stuff with God. We're not trying to do that. We are all well, in, by, the, by and large, we're all well-intended. We listen to the story. We listen to the promises. We hear them. We want to take action with them. We are good Christians. Can I hear an Amen. Well, we are not, we don't know this God like we should. You know, it's very interesting. I, I, again, I know a lot of verses, but sometimes I forget the address of them. There's the one that says, Israel knew God's acts. Moses knew God's ways. Acts are easy. I mean, that's why, you know, in a sense, we all love the big action. We like the big stuff. I can understand acts. But that issue is, the problem was, that didn't do anything to help Israel, the nation, stay constant with God. But Moses knew his ways. And his ways are, okay, you want to do that? You want to try to help me? You want to produce the promise? I won't interfere. And like we looked at those two verses, guess what? After Ishmael was born. How many years later did God show up again? Thirteen years. Think about these. One of the things, again, that I like to do as a teacher, usually I teach in a small, much smaller venue than this. Um, but I like to get everybody to think. I used to have a little Bible study in my home. One dear sister, she's still a very dear friend of my wife and I, and she used to jokingly, but not jokingly, 
when she'd hear something and a question, she'd go, Greg, tell us, tell us what do we think? <laughs> no. You have to discover this. We have to discover it. We're on a journey of faith, getting to know this God, and it's through the process of life as it actually is. One of my favorite authors, Oswald Chambers, has this phrase, life as it actually is. Not when you'd like it to be, not what it was in the past, what you hope it is in the future. No, this is it. And you ever notice that God's name, one of God's names, one of Jesus' name is Emmanuel. Do you know what that name means? God with us. Not there and not there right here. So here he is. Okay. So here God shows up. Verse 2, he lifted up his eyes, looked, behold, three men standing by him. That's God and two angels, two heavyweights. Does anybody know where they're going? How many of you ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, they're on their way there. They make a stop. Visit Abraham and Sarah. So he lifted up his eyes. He ran out to them, to the tent door to meet them. From the tent door, bowed himself to the ground, said, My Lord, that's singular there, if you have found favor, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Okay, so they're on their way. They make a swing by. I don't know how much of a diversion it was, but I think it was a planned diversion. He's there. Okay, God comes. Now, Often, I just think of this, again, we, we have a longing, we've got needs, we've got problems, we've got issues, we've got cares, we just want God to show up, and then all of a sudden, when he does show up, you know, it's kind of like an inconvenience sometimes. He's just there, and all of a sudden, that's not when I wanted you to come. I wanted you to come. I hope none of this is ever an inconvenience when God shows up unexpectedly. He didn't schedule it. He didn't ring you up on your phone and say, I would like to meet with you this coming Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Let's have lunch together. No, he just shows up. Okay. I like that. Amen. There we go. So then he says this. Please let a little water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham, Abraham hurried. Now all these words are, he ran, he hurried, he, he's doing this. He's working fast. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly. Make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran again. He wasn't walking, strolling. He knew that they were on a, a, an important thing, mission. He took a tender, good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and he set it before them, and they stood by, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, last I know... You know, you can make some cakes, cakes of flour pretty easy, and they bake pretty quick. 
I don't think killing a calf, skinning the calf, trimming it up, cooking it up, making the curds and ways, I don't think that's a pretty, that's not a Mac Dak meal. He didn't order out. There was no order out. He took the time to open up his heart to God. God is visiting him. And I, this is my plea for all of us, because sometimes in my own experience, I have been inconvenienced by God's visitation, and I wanted to be about my thing, and this was an inconvenience. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I hope none of us want to do that. When God shows up, take some time to prepare something and have fellowship. And I don't know, how many of you have ever been in a culture where they do this kind of thing? Has anybody been in a culture like this? I was in uh, Saudi Arabia. I, had a, uh, I was there with Boeing. I got invited to a Saudi's house. That was a great honor, a great honor. And I was there, and we come into the home, and we're there in the living area where they got, again, those kind of couches around, uh, uh, you know, the open area. And it was just the men. And there was a little girl there. And then when the time was was done, and they said, okay, the meal is set, in we went in, we went down a hallway, went into a, a room, and there was a, it was a wonderful meal. How many like to eat? Let me see that. Okay. It was a beautiful meal. And I like, I like exotic food. I will try almost anything one time. And there it was, and it was a beautiful meal cooked, and no women, just the guys. We're on the floor. There's a huge blanket spread out. We're all around that, just talking, conversing, having a great meal. It was ours. And then we left. We never saw the women. That's what you've got here. You haven't seen Sarah outside the context of the tent. You've got Abraham honoring his guests. But now we need to get into the uh, critical passage we read. So they, verse 9, so here's, I think we've got our verses, is that right? Oh, well, yeah, bring up the next set of verses, please. All right, we'll get to that verse in just a second, because this is a critical one. So here they are, and they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Verse 9, just before this. So he said, to, said here in the tent, she's in the tent, right there behind me. Verse 10. Some important words and the concept I'm hoping what we all can, the Lord would enlighten us with. He said, this is the Lord, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. We'll get some explanation in the next verse. And behold, Sarah, your wife, is going to have a son. Now those ought to be golden words to Abraham. His, his, all the things that God had promised in his life, all the things that he mentioned for the ages to come, ages to come, hooked up with that son. And he says, I'm here, and this is what, I, what the text calls the time of life. Now here I have to make a little plug. Uh, some of the translations, I like to read a lot of translations when I'm doing studies like this. And uh, some of the translation says, I will show up about this time next year. 
You know what I say? This is a very scriptural, theological thing. No bad translation. It's not at some time next year. It's at the time of life. That is in the text. That word is used in Genesis 27 times. It's most often translated living creatures. God is, God is about to bring something forth for the ages. Eventually the heir of everything is going to be brought in there. And the co-heirs are going to be brought in through that. So this is not a small thing. It's the time of life. It's the time of life. And this harkens back, by the way, to Genesis chapter 3. The first promise in the Bible, which is really a prophecy in the Bible, is to Eve when, he said, when God said, your seed, you're going to have a seed. I better, again, I can misquote so often, so I better get the quote here. Okay, verse 15 of chapter 3 of Genesis, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So here God is talking to the serpent. He's saying, you're going to have a seed and she's going to have a seed. The seed of the woman is the first great promise and prophecy in the word of God. Incredible stuff. Here it's being fulfilled. This is the path for fulfillment. And it's not going to be Eleazar or Ishmael. And by the way, you know, I think us being very well-intended Christians really would like to have this life easier, and it would be far easier if God just would have picked Eleazar. And it would have been far easier if God just would have taken Ishmael when, when the, he, he came out. He was born. He's here. This other guy, I don't know. And why don't I know? Look at the verse next, verse 11. Here's some facts and data. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. Come on, you're supposed to all laugh at that. They're old. Here's how old they are, well advanced in age. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. You're going to have a son. That would make me laugh. If I was told now, I'm going to have children, my wife's going to have children, and we're in our 60s. Listen, these guys are in there coming up on 100 and coming up on 90. That's, that's not just hard. What's the word I'm looking for? Then it's impossible. It isn't going to work. Here's the, here's the point we're getting to. We are good Christians. We are well-intended. We are wanting to walk and live with God. But there's certain things about us we're going to see that we are in this kind of condition spiritually. And if you don't believe that, guess what? I'm not worried at all. God's going to show us 
This is our state. This is our natural state. Apart from him, you can do how much? Okay, let's hear it again. How much? Nada. Sarah laughed. (laughs) I can just see it. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm filling in some of the storyline here. I admit it. Okay, so she's there in the tent listening. And I think she every once in a while she's kind of pulling the curtain open. She doesn't want to get seen. She's pulling the curtain open so they don't see her and she's looking. And this, the Lord says this. He says, Sarah's going to ha- I'm going to come back at the time of life and, and Sarah's going to have a son. And she's looking out right at that moment. She goes, what? 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 <laughs> I don't believe it. No way. No way. Modern vernacular there. Modern translation. No way. Okay. Let's go to um, the next set of verses here. Hebrews. There we go. Excellent staff in the back. Can we hear it for those guys? They bring charts up. Can't even see you guys, but we got it. Way to go, Mary. Okay, we got it. Okay. This is Hebrews 11. It's describing Genesis 18. It's the caption underneath the picture. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. We don't know how that was. We don't know. It's not scientific. You know, again, I'm just totally amazed at uh, today's incredible medical capability. I think that's a blessing from God. It can be misused like everything else, but it's a blessing. I've had a hip replacement. I could almost jump up on this stage. Don't, don't challenge me to do that. I tried to do that recently. I tried to do it on a chair for my grandkids. Guess what? I went down. That was not a good idea, okay? But there's amazing, those amazing things here. That is impossible. It still can't be done today. Right? A barren womb is a barren womb. It won't bear. That's the most excellent opportunity for God to display himself and manifest his life. Who he is. This is not about us, guys. This is not about our needs. And I, I, I don't want to leave a false picture. God cares about our needs. Your needs and my needs are not the centerpiece. God taking our needs and using them to display himself is the centerpiece. Is the centerpiece. She judged him. She bore a child when past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And therefore one man and him as what? Say that again, please. Now, that's a quite a condition, right? He's as good as dead. I'm not trying to make too many jokes here, but this is how I am. I admit it. But You, you know, there's a, if we had a dead man up here, we could say, okay, this, the service is over. Time to get up, go home. What's he going to do? He's, as good as, he's not only good as dead, he's dead. He doesn't react. There's no response. 
By the way, we all, the human race, we're going to get to this a little bit more, the human race is dead in trespasses and sins. All of us were there at one point in time. And if God hadn't intervened, appeared, come to us somehow, some way, we would remain dead in trespasses and sins, spiritually dead. Doesn't mean we're, we're physically alive, we're spiritually dead. We have no sensitivity to the living God at all. This was the case. I've, they've got to fulfill, God says, I'm going to fulfill through you the, my promises. My eternal purpose is wrapped up with you guys. I really want this to sink in because it needs to sink into me too. I look at you guys, you know. You're a pretty good looking crowd. Look like, you know, Serena, I see there. She's, yeah, she's good. There's my dear daughter and her husband right there that came to see me because my wife is not here, so my wife can't check me out, so she sent my daughter. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth here. We are not capable, brothers and sisters, of fulfilling the eternal purpose of God. Not with our energies, not with our skills, not with all those things. Does God use them? Absolutely he uses them. Does God require that? Go to the next verse. I want to go to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to spend a few moments in there and we'll make it to this verse. And then we'll talk about this verse a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't know if you're like this, but often in my own Christian life and walk, I find myself hanging around a series of verses, a section of the Bible, a specific chapter or something like that, on and off all the time. I'm there. I've been in, in and out of 2 Corinthians for probably the last five to seven years. I don't even know. I visit it. I go back. Something happens in my life, and I go back. Starts off this way. So in the context, real quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 through 5 is about a ministry that Paul had received. Chapter 3, he describes it. It's not a ministry of death. It's a ministry of life. It's the ministry of the Spirit of God. He goes on in, this cha in chapter 4, and he says, Having received this ministry, which is a mercy, we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We've renounced hidden things. We're not walking in craftiness. We're not doing any of that. But listen, our gospel is veiled. Our gospel is veiled. I strongly encourage everybody to speak and preach the gospel. I do. But if you believe how you say it is the critical thing, you are absolutely wrong. These people are veiled. You were veiled. I was veiled. The God of this age blinded my mind. I could not see until the God who called the light out in Genesis shone into the heart and took away the veil and I saw the glory of God that's in the face of Jesus Christ. It had to be a God act. God used the vessel. But it is, the critical point is not the vessel. Okay? So he goes on, okay, we preach, we don't preach ourselves, we preach Jesus Christ the Lord. 
Verse 7. I can't remember when I, when the Lord opened my eyes and my understanding to see this, but I'll tell you what, I've been, I've been dancing, even with a new hip, I've been dancing with the concept here. We have this treasure in what? What are they? That's describing you. You're an earthen vessel. Now, why is it an earthen vessel? I mean, I would think that, you know, if I'm going to get the job done, I need, I need to be handsome. I need to be strong. I need to be articulate. I need to be this and that and that and this. And then what does God end up with? This. Here's the, here's the wonder of it, guys. That is fully planned and intended. It's deliberate by God. Deliberate. I remember, again, I, I have a lot of conversations with God. They're kind of interesting. I don't want you guys to listen in on them at all, but here's one of them, though. God said to me, you know, because I'm worried. I'm, I'm failing. I look at myself often. I look at myself, and I fail. And I'm really trying hard. And I failed again. Gosh. And so I have great disappointment in myself. And then God says to me, get over yourself, Parker. You're a vessel. You don't think that I knew this when I chose you? You didn't think I knew this when I brought you to life? <laughs> I know you backwards and forwards, inside out, upside down, every which way. The problem is you don't know you, and you need events, you need circumstances, you need problems, cares, issues, everything. You need all of that to realize that's what you are, and I am still with you, for you, and I'm going to use you. Wow! We all better say hallelujah. hallelujah. Absolutely. There, I love the language. I always think of this. The, the, the three-letter and four-letter words are critical ones. It's not the big, long ones. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That's what he's doing. Not many mighty, not many noble, not many articulate. He doesn't need that. He uses it? Absolutely. Does he need it? He just needs a vessel. And he can use and he does use every one that would provide him that opportunity. So here's what he's doing. Now, this is strange language. And brothers and sisters, I don't think that many Christians get exposed themselves long enough to the strange language. Read those verses. This is you and I. This is Paul describing himself. And this is us. Paul says, 
You read the, the verses after verse 7. He says, I am getting beat up all the time. I'm getting thrown in the drink. I'm, the people are whipping me. <sighs> Why? Here's what's happening. I am always caring about in this body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Do you ever think about that? All the events of your life, all the things that are going on, all the pressures, problems, cares, issues. The purpose is that, the, that, that now, I've fallen in love recently. I keep watching the time. These guys are like hawks on me. No, I'm just joking. I'm just, uh, I think about this. The body, I, I can't be anywhere else. Where my body is, I, my head might spin out a little bit, but I'm really not anywhere else but where my body is. So God doesn't have any other thing. God doesn't, he's wonderful, he's incredible, but he uses that. In Romans 12, this came alive to me. It says, knowing therefore, you know, the mercies of the Lord, Paul says, I implore you, present your bodies. Did you show up here? I know you did. You're right in front of me right now. You showed up here. I know your mind wanders, but I'll be like Spurgeon. He was preaching a sermon one time, and he saw everybody drifting off, and he says, look, there's a man with a head, uh, arm coming out the top of his head. Everybody, whoa, look up, and then he went right on with his sermon. It was great. You guys aren't there yet, so you're awake. I see it. This is the appointed time. Look at what it says. Another word, again, that four-letter word, that. In order that, the reason for, why this is happening. I'm caring about literally the putting to death of Jesus. Jesus is being put to death again. Whether you can understand that subject or not, it's a deep one, but that's what's happening. That's what it says. Why? That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Wow. Wow. A manifestation in my body. That's what God wants. God wants to use me. There's those songs. We can sing a lot of those songs. You may be the Jesus, only Jesus someone ever knows. Why? Because you come and you're caring about the very spirit of the living God. He's in you. He's in you. Jesus is in you. He wants to live through us. Don't come back to that verse. Don't let it fade away. There we go. For we who live are always devoted. We. He's, okay, so now you, all of a sudden you and I are in the verse. You can say, oh, that's just for Paul. Nope, nope, nope. Mrs. T, it's for you, right? right. You probably experienced a little bit of that with this last week. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Absolutely. I wasn't here. I'm glad. <laughs> I like Mrs. T. She's lovely. Wonderful. We who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us and life 
in you. And when we can be impactful with the gospel is if we are living Jesus Christ in our life as fully as we possibly can. Our, in preaching the gospel, and I'm, I'm going to preach it right now. If anybody here does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I implore you. I implore you. Be reconciled to him. I told the first service, and I mean this with all my heart. There's an old, again, this is going to expose who I am, but that's, that's how it is. I, I love Crosby, Stills, and Nash. There's good songs there. There's one song that uh, actually it was uh, Stills when he had the group Manasseh. He's got this song, and he, sa- he ends it saying, this is the only game in town going down. Now, those of you that are from the 60s and 70s, you can get my drift there. This is the only game. There is not anything else happening on this earth but the eternal purpose of God being worked out through vessels of clay. And you're in it. I'm in it. Play it for all it's worth. Are we going to have some Eliezer moments? You bet. I've had them. God, use Eliezer. What's wrong with that guy? I've had Ishmael's. Oh, tried to work it. I'm working it hard. I'm working as hard as I can. Thirteen years later, God shows up again. How did that go? How did that go, buddy? This word, let's see, go to the next, next slide for the verses. How many of you have ever quoted the first part of this verse? You probably didn't know where it came from. You just heard that. It was a great saying. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now look at the context. It's creating life out of nothing. Barren wombs, dead man. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. So here we're at the punchline. God shows up not indefinitely. It's not our timetable. He's not interested in time in that sense like we are. He, he doesn't put our needs the most important thing. He does not do that. He cares about you. He cares about me. Absolutely. He died on the cross. But he's after the appointed time is when he comes back at the right time when everything is ready. Eliezer has not worked. Ishmael has not worked. You're dead in your womb and you're dead man. Ah, now I can show up and I can bring forth life. That's what Paul described in those chapter, that chapter in 2 Corinthians 4. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. The time is ripe. We think that they're terrible experiences. <laughs> Nobody likes to walk through those. They don't. I, again, I, I'm, I have some, over God's sovereignty, I have some connections with a number of people preaching the gospel in a lot of places, China and Iran. I know Greg Clark's got 
I know, interest in all that stuff as well. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm so delighted anybody has. Those guys do not have, take the saints in Iran. They don't have a nice meeting hall. They meet. They have to meet. When they meet in homes, they don't show up together. They come in one by one. They leave their cell phones in a covered, uh, uh, what is it, the shower or the, or the bathtub. They cover it up so it's not heard. They sing softly. I mean, it was rousing. Wasn't it great this morning, the worship? Can I hear an amen for the worship team? I think those songs were great. They can't do that. But you know what? Iran right now, as far as we know, is the fastest growing Christian population on the face of the earth. And the worst, worst nation of persecution. Nothing can stop the living God. He does this stuff. I show up. I mean, I've, been in, I've had the privilege of going up in Iraq, northern Iraq, in the Kurdish area. Those guys have been under the bondage of Islam for 1,300 years. It is not magic all of a sudden to show up and Tinkerbell sw swings her wong and everybody becomes a Christian. That does not work. You have to present a life that dies to self and God manifests himself through that. I mean, I've, I've talked to the, some of the people up there. I'm going to ramble on a moment. They went into Syria. These guys went into Syria. They're, they're in the middle of the Syrian civil war a couple years ago. They go into that place. They got asked by, of all people, the Israeli defense forces. Their question was, is there anybody crazy enough among you Christians that you'd be willing to go into Syria and treat people? And he volunteers. And lo and behold, yeah, here we are. We're going to go in. Go in. These guys have been inoculated with demonic doctrines. Excuse me if I'm stepping on anybody's stoles, but I'm speaking the truth. For 1,300 years. It is not an easy thing to penetrate that veil that's on their face and on their heart. When these guys had to get out because the Assad regime was retaking the area where they were, the people pleaded with them. They said, our neighbors would not come to us. The other nations did not care about us. Our own regime was bombing our hospitals and our schools. And you guys are here. Why? They had one, two words. Because Jesus. Powerful stuff. That testimony has changed their lives forever. They're still in touch with some of those guys in Syria. Amazing stories. Amazing stories. All right. Just a summary here. I want to hear some amens. Well, not yet. I got to say the words. Then you... That's how it works. That's how it works, guys. By the end of this, you haven't got that? I don't know. God is in control of his encounters with us. Amen. Not you, not me. I mean, all this stuff about trying to work up stuff. I used to do that years ago. Honestly, I did. 
kind of charismatic in my views and stuff like that, and we're going to work it up. And I don't say you shouldn't have fervent excitement. I don't say you shouldn't have intense longing. But if you believe that's the condition that God, that makes God come, you are wrong. God shows up when he wants to show up. And sometimes it's in that situation, and sometimes it's not. And he comes to the worst, right? He is not about just meeting our needs. Yep, that's, the, that's your cue now. Amen. Does he meet our needs? Absolutely. I have been so blessed in my life, I, I can't tell you. I, I worship him. Worship him. He is caring about his agenda, which is his great purpose promised through Abraham. Amen. That's what he's, he's bringing along. He's mothering on. It's not done yet. I can't tell you how many times in these days, I don't know, I, it's my opinion. At least I can say this with assurance. His return is now closer than it was yesterday. I can say that with all confidence, absolute confidence. And I believe it's not that far away. I believe he's going to split the sky. And when he does, the demonstration will be so clear who he is. But right now, to the eyes of faith, and God's got to work that in every individual, we've got to be that presentation, these vessels. We've got to be an Abraham and a Sarah, and produce life at the appointed time. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.